and Sinead Donkin, welcome to episode 38 of the Been There Done That podcast, mate. How are you? Hello, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Um, it's good to see you again. It's been a while. It's been almost almost a year and um, a lot of great things have happened for you in that time, especially especially recently. Yes, yes. Um, it's been an exciting time, an exciting year so far. So, yeah. This has been uh, congratulations as well on getting selected in the 2022 Hockey Roo squad. So well done on, on that. And I've, I'm sure it's been uh, long awaited. So I guess, I mean, guess how long you aged out of the, is it the national development squad? How does that kind of work, the age group? Uh, so national development squad is, um, it can range in ages. So you've got your junior squad, which is under 21s. And then you've got your development squad, which, um, yeah, that one just ranges ages. You can be, you know, still in the junior squad, but be elevated to the development squad. Um, but I've been in the development squad for two years now before stepping up to the senior squad. Well, that's great. So, um, again, congratulations. And thank you. Almost like an honor for me as well, because I did get to work with you for about almost about a year and a half. So, it's great. Yeah, year and a half at the waist, the waist gym. So, right. Um, and probably one of the coolest things that I got to see as well was I came across on your Instagram. There was a photo you, you put up of um, when you were like a. On how old were you in that photo? When yeah, when seven, seven, seven. My first um, my first year of Minky. That photo was from Minky. What's Very that? Very cool. Oh, it's like um, yeah. It was like uh, when did it start? All the age groups have changed these days, but it was kind of like if you were under ten, you played Minky. Yeah, it was kind of the little step stepping stone to under 10. So, yeah, I played that with my cousins. That's hilarious. So you were seven when you started. And then did you, I guess, how long into playing hockey did you think, oh, half decent, I'll give this a crack? Yeah, um, I, well, I started playing hockey uh, through family. So a lot of my family play hockey. They're either played for state or club or played for Australia. So um, I got into hockey through family and I just kind of fell in love with the game um, and especially how family orientated it was. I started playing hockey with my cousins and it was just so much fun and then made my first state team with my cousin who's now in the hockey roos with me, um, Caitlin Nobbs. So oh. that was very cool. But I think, um, yeah, all through my juniors, uh, it was really I stuck with it for the love. And then I think it was about... When I was 17, I made my first under 18 Australian squad. And it was probably then that I was like, wow, okay, maybe I can do this. This would be really cool. Um, otherwise, I was just playing because I loved the sport. Yeah. And what position are you playing? Are you- oh, striker through and through. I still to this day can't defend. <laughs> Is it to addicting to the to scoring goals? No, I've got I've got better at the running back. It's more I bring out my axle when when I uh, tackle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! So, was it? Did you kind of work your way into the striker position? So, I guess as a junior, you would have played lots of various positions, and then was it just striker? No, I always played striker, um, striker through and through when I. Uh, first played juniors I played for a smaller club so I always kind of played um, upper level in from my age group Um, so I was always kind of the weakest in that 
that age group. So I would play left wing, um, which back in the day, left wing was probably your worst player. <laughs> so you just put it on there. Um, so I started playing that and I have always, I had speed, so I could always kind of overtake my half back and yeah, I just loved it. Um, yeah, I've always been a striker. So when did you kind of get into, when did Waste pick you up as a development or um, what do they do? They identify you as an athlete? Yeah, identify. Um, Waste identified me about when I was 16 and I trained with them on like a training agreement. Um, so through year 11 um, and through when I got identified in the Futures program, which is the under 18 Australia squad. And then uh, when I finished high school, 2000 uh, so I finished 2014 2015 I officially joined um Wow, well, how was that kind of did you did you feel like your uh, step was like a big step up in in how everything was taken like professionally training the gym and all that sort of stuff yeah um I actually found it quite challenging originally just because um you know going through school your life is very structured. You have, you wake up and you train and then you go to school and you have this period and this period and then you come home and you train or you do homework. Mm. Whereas my first year out of school, out of high school, sorry, was when I made um, the under 21 Jillaroos squad. And so I kind of put uni on the back hold um, just to see, oh, just to see where hockey took me. Um, But obviously not having the structured uni and then just having waste, I found it very hard to balance. Um, and I was very much just all hockey and, uh, yeah, work and uni and all of that just kind of went down on my list. So, yeah, I found it quite quite challenging. So what did you kind of do to kind of work through it? Did you utilise the support network that, that waste um, uh, had available there? Um. Yeah, I would talk to coaches um, and talk to the site, but I don't think, I think the only time I kind of started making changes was when I missed out on the 2016 Junior World Cup team. So, um, and I think that's when I realised, oh, you know, wow, I have put everything on hold and I haven't had a good balance and, um maybe I need to get more balance into my life because obviously what I was doing um during that year wasn't working for me so it was kind of a uh until I missed out on that big junior selection that I got a bit of a wake-up call and thought all right well we need to change something right so so how did you kind of go about that did you make yourself did you kind of take priorities out and make sure you were getting your the union, the work done, and then kind of yeah. hockey coming second. Like it's kind of hard because you want to make hockey a focus, but you don't want to kind of rank it. Yeah, yeah. As there's such, exactly, there's such a fine line between, you know, I want to give it my all and put everything into hockey because I only have this certain amount of years, but then there's also, you know, we're more than hockey players and we're more than athletes where, um, you know, we just, we you need another life. And I think that's what I found out kind of the hard way but at a really good time and I just went back to um uni full-time I what else did I do I worked and I just saw more of my friends um and that just gave me a really good kind of balance 
um, and an outlet from hockey. It wasn't, I didn't think um, about hockey all the time, which is what I was doing. I could never switch off because when I wasn't at hockey, I was at home. And when you're at home, you're still thinking about it. So yeah, I just kind of got a little bit more into my life and um, yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, it's one of the, it's like almost a theme of the podcast. Almost, most, most uh, athletes, I guess, I talk to, they always kind of go back to that identity factor of it's not that when they run into trouble with their sports, when they identify so much as being, you know, a hockey athlete, a hockey athlete, and that's it, or a footy player, and that's it, and other parts of their life kind of diminish or fall apart. But they don't really. Yeah. It's not, not not so much that they care about as I don't see it happening because they're so so laser focused on on the sport, but if something kind of happens, they get misselection or something happens and it's kind of a wake up call of, of what's kind of happening around you. And then it's about fixing up everything else in your life and kind of re kind of re identifying or re managing who, who you are as a person, yeah. not so much as, you know, Shania, as the, as the hockey player. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's a really important thing, you know, um, we're very fortunate when we do get the opportunity to, you know, represent your country or your state. And um, we do only have a certain number of years that we can do that. But you need a, you need something outside of it as well because, you know, if something goes wrong or if you don't get selected or if your career's cut short, what, what do you do next? Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. And so, um, yeah, having that work-life balance is, I think, I think is one of the most important things for me. Mm. Yeah, it's because you, like you said before, you're not as, you know, you're not really hockey players. You're, you have to do, make sure you do other things as well because it's a part-time role. What, what yeah. do you kind of go through in uni? What are you kind of studying? Uh, I studied, uh, reg I was a registered nurse studying um, registered nurse at Curtin University. Um, is that a four-year? Uh, uh, three and a half at Curtin. Yeah. So obviously you got in when you were 18? Did you leave school when you were 18? Yeah, left it. Yeah. So, um, my first year out was when I was 18. Yeah. So that's wild. So you were in the, you played in the, was it, you were saying before you were 17 and you played in the World Cup or did you miss the World Cup? I missed the World Cup, but I, I was in the squad for the, um, Junior World Cup. And at, so that was 2016. So January of 2016, I was my first um, official junior team that I made. And that was the Junior World Cup qualification team um, to actually qualify. So I made that. I worked really hard over the summer um, and actually made that. And then, yeah, unfortunately missed the so team. Were you, so were you in a high school at that stage? Still in year 12? No, no. I was out, out of high school then. Yeah. So that's kind of wild because you you know because most people or most sports you don't really get that opportunity to represent a country at that young of an age. No, yeah, yeah. What Very fortunate, like? I know. You go, was it an international tour or was it was it here in Australia? No, that one was just in Gold Coast um, against New Zealand. So New Zealand came over to Gold Coast um, and we played, I think, three games, just like a yeah international Some couple of games. How'd you go in that? Yeah, it was fun. It was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I remember my first game, <laughs> I was so nervous. Like every time I got the ball, every time I got the ball, I was like, oh, God, get rid of it. And I remember actually it was like halftime and I just remember Trini like patted me on the shoulder and she was just like, 
breathe <laughs> like yeah, right. just breathe and I was like oh god um but yeah then I just kind of each game got better and better and um yeah I was quite I think I was happy with how how I played um but also just so stoked to have been given the opportunity after a long summer of hard work once you put in all that work was it did it was it a relief almost a relief that you got selected like what would you have done or what would have happened if you didn't get selected do you feel like it was thrown in all the way or um I don't know I don't even remember back then I think I was just more just more relieved I was kind of young and at my uh early ages of it that I was just I think um yeah just glad to be given the opportunity and what was the kind of the next biggest the thing that you did after that after you've made you got identified in the waste program going through that was there another kind of big moment you got selected or anything else that happened after that that was kind of huge yeah, so um, the next couple of years were just we just did like uh, under twenty ones. I did under twenty ones and um, all of that. But the I think two thousand and eighteen, um, there was a under twenty three Australian team that went to China, um, and I was lucky enough to be selected in into that. So um, that was probably my next big milestone. That's wild, China. Whereabouts in China were you? Did you go? Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure it was Shanghai. It was like a three-hour bus ride out of China or something. It was not a nice (laughs) bus ride. It was like so bumpy. I just so clearly remember because we got in quite late um, and we were having this bus ride and I was at the back, um, the very back with um, one of the other girls who was in the team, Ashley, well, Ash Utri, and uh, we were driving, we were all asleep, and then all of a sudden we just hit these massive road bumps. Yep. And I was like, oh, my God. And I woke up to Ash literally, like, up in the air, and she just came back down and up in the air <laughs> and then started, like, going towards the front of the bus. It was oh. honestly, I was like, get me to this hotel. <laughs> See, China doesn't strike me as a, as a, you know, a country that's big with hockey. Yeah, um, I think because uh, they had, there was a tournament that the Hockey Roos were playing at that time. Um, it's something, Oceana Cup. No, not Oceana Cup. Really? Anyway, Champions Trophy. That was it, yeah. Champions Trophy, when that was still around. They were playing it like later that month. So they kind of did it as a little segue where we went over and burst um, three other three other countries um, as a little segue to um, Champions Trophy. Did you, did you feel the same kind of nerves as you did when you were younger, when you played against New Zealand or was it, did you kind of learn to develop or learn like a pre-training or a pre-game routine that kind of settles the nerves a little bit? Yeah, the first game, it's always so nerve-wracking no matter how much you prepare or, you know, I when I warm up, I feel quite um maybe relax like the nerves are always there but there's something about the first five minutes you just think oh god um but then after the that for those five minutes you kind of settle in and then it's just play play hockey and do what do what you do best well I kind of skipped over it at the start but did you play any other sports leading into hockey or was it all all hockey straight from the start no it was just hockey from the start um 
Yeah, I am actually very uncoordinated, <laughs> as I'm sure you remember trying to teach me gym <laughs> gym exercises. This I don't know. I'm very uncoordinated, but somehow it works with hockey. I don't know how, but <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just always been hockey. You, have to be, you really do have to be coordinated with hockey. Like you stop on a dime, be able to rotate and do this sort of stuff. You know, you yeah, hand, yeah, hand eye coordination. So not even like tennis. No. Goals. Yes. No. Nah, no. Nah. Nothing. I know. I don't know how. <laughs> oh, I do a bit, and I no use the hockey, the hockey um hit every time so I go with someone. They're like, you can tell you're a hockey player. <laughs> All right, that's why. Yeah. Um. Anyway, going back to that, the the China tournament was there. You played was three games. Was it? Yep, three games. Yeah. Any goals? Uh yeah, I did actually. And we would do like um, shootouts, okay, which yep. is just like a one-on-one with the goalie um, at the end of every game. And I remember there was one game where there was myself and four other girls who had to take them. And I think we ended up like usually you just roll through it and everyone just does one and then there's kind of like a a winner and a loser. Yep. We ended up going through it each person three times because it was a draw. <laughs> yeah, it was so tiring. Um, but I think I ended up getting all of those goals in the one-on-one, which was good. So it helped me, yeah, So that's get that, that confidence. Happen, that must happen very rarely because usually, you know, either the goalie misses one or, yeah. you know, or the shooter just goes up. Yeah, usually maybe every now and then you might go to like a second round of it but yeah to have three rounds it doesn't happen often not at all now is there because obviously striker they have to score goals right is there a point you know you might go through a bad kind of form slap not score like not scoring goals in quotes yeah. but still like still playing a good game if that makes sense like you still do all the right things in a game but not score goals does that kind yeah. of fill you with pressure like do you feel the pressure when you don't score goals or is it just keep ticking yeah. all the things right I always, um, the way I play, I feel like I am more of a, I am more of a sister. <laughs> I pass the ball for that person to shoot. Um, but it is always nice to, to score the goal. It's very nice, but yeah, you definitely do, you know, you do go through periods of a slump and when you're not red hot and you're not scoring those go- goals or getting those little touches, it does add a little bit of pressure because you think, well, this is what I'm meant to do, you know, like this is my role in the position. Um, and so sometimes you just kind of, it can lead to overthinking, you know, you might get a ball and something you can just trap and push, you now, you've now missed the trap and now you're having to fumble the next thing. Um, but it's something that you, as time goes on, you do know how to kind of get out of your head and deal with those little extra pressures on you. How do you kind of go about that? Do you just take time away? Like, do you write a journal, I guess, or what do you kind of do to get a, get your mind out of the form slump? Um, yeah, I guess I always uh, I'm really big on um, like reflecting. Like, I always kind of reflect um, after a game or after a training session just to think what went well for me and what are things that you know didn't go well and that I can work on from there. Um, but even just, I, if I can feel myself getting nervous or kind of in my head during the games, um, I'll just, you know, 
take two big deep breaths or I'll grip my stick that little bit harder just so it kind of brings me back in the present moment instead of thinking about, yeah, the stuff that I need to do in the future. Right. That's definitely one of the biggest things that I guess other athletes have said before here as well. One of the ones that um, I had a guy in a while back, Jono, he works, oh, he plays down at East Rio where I work yeah. now. And he was saying that we was at St Kilda, him, it'd be a couple of guys that almost have like buddies. So they'll buddy up and they would have like little pro, like a little kind of thing that they would do with each other. If they noticed either one of them would get out of, like get out of their heads and focus on things that's not happening in the moment. They'll go yeah. like either you know, tap them on the shoulder or like they'll do something that they would know to bring themselves back in the present. So I guess yeah, once yeah. everything. I love that. You, someone else might see it before you realize it yourself. So yeah, yeah. Sees it earlier, they make you recognize it and then bring it back in. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's a really important thing because it's very easy to get stuck in your head Mm. um, or to, what's the word, Um, like exacerbate the situation. Yes. Um, Kind of think that, you know, you might miss one trap and then to you, you're thinking it's so much worse than what it actually is. So just kind of talking to your teammate, you know, like these little signs Mm. that I do when I'm kind of um, coming back into my shell is really important just for them to nudge you on the shoulder and be like, hey, next one or something like that. Yeah, I really like that. I'm big on that. Do you consider yourself, I don't know, a fiery competitor? Do you kind of take your anger out on other things like you might slam a stick or you might, you know, kick the ground a little bit? No? Uh, I definitely have white line fever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm quite, quite competitive once I step onto the field. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so. Striker thing, or is that just a Shania as well? I feel like. I think it's just a Shania thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it? You've had a few run-ins with with refs, haven't you? No, no? not at all. No, no. Back at refs, try to keep it. No. No. No little under the breath. I think no. Oh, uh, yeah, no, definitely do, but um, do you get carded? It's not, it's not good. No, oh no, no I've really. It's something that um, it's one of those things again. It get you get in your head, um, and I'm just really trying to work on it because yeah, I probably do say stuff under my breath, and I've been actually been caught out a couple times, and it's not good. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so just yeah, working on that. Yeah, well, we all have <laughs> everyone's human. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're everyone's human, and yeah. you got I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, if it's as long as you're not abusive to the refs, but you might say yeah. things under your breath. And did you see? I might not follow in AFL. They're real tightening up on the like talking back to the umpires and like you know if you show like any signs of aggression towards an umpire, it's like an uh, an immediate fifty meter penalty. Yeah, there was one against. I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. Even like touching, you know, touching the umpire. Huge. Oh, that's yeah. That's always big, big old no no. But there was one free kick against, oh, I think it was Christian Petrarca maybe a week ago in one of those pre-season games. And he just kind of he gave the free kick away and he went to stand the mark and he like clenched his fist like this and was like, ah, oh, like that. And the umpire gave him 50 metres. So. Really? So I guess, oh, God. I guess from an outside point of view, the AFL taking a crackdown on abuse, like abuse towards an umpire. I mean, because the fans kind of get behind it a bit more and kind of, yeah yeah for sure it's really easy to get caught up in it when you're on when you're on the field and you're in that that zone it's very easy 
to get caught up in it. But I mean, at the end of the day, like they're human as well. And they're just out here doing their thing while we're trying to do our thing. So, yeah. It's funny because just thinking about it now, once the kind of game's finished, the players kind of are like, just kind of forget about it and leave. And the umpires forget about it and leave. But the supporters and all the commentators and journalists who write stuff about it in the articles, like in the following weeks, that creates all this emotion and kind of yeah. gets everyone aggravated. But like the players and umpires, they just kind of forget about it and go, oh. Exactly. You, you know, step off the field. And... In the moment was, was it, right? It's, it's everyone else yeah. who lights the fire and then it's um, like huge after that. It's an inferno. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it's kind of you step on that to that field and you're just in that zone and then you step off and that's, that's the end of it. That's it. Do you kind of do you limit your social media time, or do you kind of get up, get off? Because I don't know, it might not have, be big of an issue for you in terms of seeing performance. Like you might not get your performance rated so much on social media, but do you kind of try to get away from being online too much to just stay in the real world? <laughs> like before games, or in general? Or just in, just in general, do you? I don't know. You, I guess that you don't really get your 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 performance written up and stuff like that in the newspapers but do you kind of limit do you kind of see social media as a distraction I guess is what I'm saying you yeah yeah I find it a distraction um and it's something that it takes you away from being in the moment mm. if you're on your phone worrying about all the other stuff so I know like a lot of us girls we uh like limit our screen time prior to like going to play a game like it's from you know from when that meeting starts it's all about the game and you don't look at your phone you don't touch it until you're back at the hotel at the hotel like after you've debriefed yeah do you you mentioned overthinking it was a little bit before do you kind of do you feel like that because you're in the waste system you've got waste coaches and you have club coaches then you've got all these other people just critiquing performance and giving you um, things to work on do you feel like it's it gets too much. Do you feel like that there's one, there's, there's almost so much input that it gets hard to, to focus on the one thing, I guess, to work on? Yeah, I think when um, I first started joining the programs as just like a youngin, um, you definitely care a lot about what people think and you try to do the right thing. Um, and so I remember first coming into the program and I was listening to everyone, you know, I'm listening to my waist coach, I'm listening to my club coach, my parents, um, this other, this other person, this other dad who's come to watch, you know, I'm just, and you're just kind of, there's too much going on. And as I got older, I just learned to, you know, all I'm listening to is my waist coach, maybe my dad. Um, and that's it. Otherwise I'm just going out there and playing. Um, but as then as I got like higher in the ranks, it was actually my own, like it was me that was kind of putting the pressure on myself and getting in my own head. It wasn't actually um, worrying about the other girls. Yeah, it was just like, yeah, just getting in my head. I know I've talked about coaches and stuff before, but it's also other people like you might have the psych and you might have strength coaches who might just want to, you know, you need to have their kind of goals and for yourself to get ticked off. And that end as well yeah. creates a lot of pressure, I guess, around certain periods of in the season. So do you feel like that there is, I don't know, 
you know, an off, really so much as an off season and in season because you're playing hockey kind of regularly. You're always at waste training, get, getting ready for the for the season, for the club season, I guess. Do you feel like how much of a, I guess, the strength and conditioning point of view, how much has that helped you feel? How, how much do you feel like it's helped you in your development as a hockey player? Um, yeah, I definitely think that the strength and conditioning is vital. Um, it's limited injuries. I know that prior to coming into waves, I would just have little niggles every, every now and then, um, my hammy or my quad. And then once I joined waves, um, I think I honestly did not have an injury, a muscular injury since starting proper gym. So um yeah it was very beneficial to me so you never so no no injuries at all in that time you're at race touch wood not not muscular i had a random stress fracture in my hand which i have no idea how i got that um i had tendonitis in my patella which went away in like two months um and i broke my finger from getting hit with a hockey ball so they were really only my big like my big injuries and other than that yeah been quite good no no like ball other than the ball in the finger no stick to the hair like oh, it always makes scares the shit out of me when watching hockey and how close those sticks fly so close to each other's heads and it's when you try and avoid yeah it's when you try and avoid getting hit um or anything like that that's when you get injured if you're just not even thinking about it and going a million miles an hour and just then you're actually in less danger than if you're kind of step back or anything like that. And just for everyone who doesn't know, when you first when you first got into ways, did they yeah. kind of sit you down and did they say, "Look, this is where we see you currently, and this is what we need you to work on to kind of get you into that the next stage in development, like junior squad yeah. development squad, and then again to um to the senior hockey roos, and uh, just to kind of describe that process and the goals that they outlined for you and how much you were in that involved in that process as well? Yeah. So they, when I first got a scholarship, mm-hmm. um, my coach sat me down and talked about the scholarship, but he also talked about where he sees me being able to get to. And that was, he believed that I had the capabilities um, to make the hockey roos team. Um, and then we would always have like a, we called it an IAPP, which is just like your, um, goals for the year and the areas that you need to develop, um, your strengths and your weaknesses, um, all of that. And then every year or every six months you would sit down and you would reassess. Um, and you might be like, yep, cool. I've ticked that. Um, Or you might be like, well, I haven't actually improved on this, so let's go back and spend more time on that and then how are we going to do that? We'll chuck an extra goal shooting um, individual session in um, or we'll add an extra, like, change of direction speed in there, that sort of stuff, yeah. It was very personalised. Yeah, Yeah, that's the one thing about WAFs is although you're in a a team of, you know, there's 10 or 12 girls, Mm. it's individual. and you're not all going to make the hockey roos as a team. It's all about kind of 
getting a personalized gym or personalized skill set um, to ensure that you know you're improving as well. How did you kind of feel about that process? Do you feel like do you look at those other girls and see them as they're going to take your well, their you're in line or you're competing against the spot in hockey brews against them, or is it more? I guess was a female kind of perspective it's like you kind of it's a community type thing you will work together you help each other out yeah. as best you can to get each other yeah I always saw us as like a team and I don't think I would be in the position that I am if it wasn't for those girls you know like yeah we were competitive but we're helping each other out you know there's girls there who were faster than me so that challenged me to be faster or there's girls there that were better tacklers or you know stuff like that so it's all what they were good at helped me improve my weaknesses um so i yeah i don't know i just really enjoyed the waste environment and um yeah they're definitely a huge part of my selection that's how i feel so when you when you first rolled into waste what was the thing that you needed to work on the most what was a i guess the one thing that was letting you down so if in a hockey perspective yeah, mine was uh, my pressing, my second efforts, and my um, like close in goal shooting, and they pretty much stayed throughout. Those throughout, days. they were always kind of my three weaknesses, um, and I might have each year I just kind of got a little bit closer, a little bit closer. But yeah, they were always kind of there. Whenever I would get feedback, they would be. The ones and um yeah sometimes my fitness was in there sometimes it wasn't yeah right. so just talk us through like you said it was a constant thing that was throughout the whole process but in terms of like your training and you're doing individual stuff like that what kind of how were they structured to make those better like make those weaknesses better what did you kind of do in training to make sure you're getting at least you know one percent better um we, well, we would have like individual sessions yeah. um, and that's where you could work on, you'd have, they would bring down like, for example, like um, Jamie Dwyer to work on closing skills or we're very lucky here in WA is that the ex-Australian hockey players tend to stay here because it is the best, the best um, state in Australia, but they tend to stay here. So they would come down and help out from, um time from time to time so yeah we had the likes of jamie dwyer coming down helping with little close in goal shooting or kobe mcgurk worked with the defenders um but it was really as time went on it was quite athlete driven as well so i would have to kind of pull my coach aside and be like well this is what i want to work on today or this is what i think i need to get better at and then they would incorporate that into the into the drills you spoke about, you know, like your second efforts and your pressing. Is I, I, I can understand, but pressing's also like a bit technical too, because there's a right moment when to press and when not to press. Yeah. I guess is, is there a lot of video footage as well that you work with with your coaches yeah. to kind of notify? Yeah. 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 It's hard to it's hard to kind of practice pressing in a yeah. in a training environment, and it's boring. It's very boring. <laughs> So for me, I found the best way was um, watching footage and seeing, you know, what 
the Dutch were doing or what uh, the Hockey Roo girls were doing or watching footage of me in a game and my coach identifying, you know, this is what you did. This is actually what we need, you need to do. And once they did that, it kind of just clicked and it's like, oh, okay, I just need a smart run. And instead of doing this long arc to get there, I just go across and I, you know, just getting there, anticipating where the ball will go. That was the biggest one. So, yeah, I found footage the best for me. And obviously getting exposed and like being in match situations and being able to practice that and, and as well as looking back on the footage helps a lot too. But, yeah, you have to be able to practice it a lot. Yeah. So that isn't yeah. that way. It will happen within a couple of months. It's going to happen a long time. There's always yeah, a time exactly. You make a mistake as well. And you have to, then yeah, you yeah. The same thing. Even to this day, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake, but at least, yeah, you can use that footage to kind of be like, oh, well, that's what I did. This is what I didn't do next time. Yeah. Do you have someone, I guess, like an idol or do you have someone who you look up to or like do you have multiple different athletes who you look up to and say, oh, I want to pick apart, pick that person's pressing and do that person's goal shooting? You know what I mean? Do you have, do you have like multiple different players who you look up to and say, this is one I want to pick out of each of their like, best talents and have all that myself? Yeah. Yep. There's definitely, um, yeah, there's always, um, what's the word? I always look to the other girls to see how they, you know, what might be my weakness, see how they do it and I learn off, off of them. Um, yeah, so definitely there's, girls that I look up to do you have someone who you love to watch is there someone that really stands out in your mind that's like if they're playing in the a Dutch Dutch side or something I want to go and watch that game because I know what they're going to do is going to help me if I watch them and, and take one percent out of what they do yeah yeah definitely um even those couple girls in the hockey roos like um Mariah and Kirsch they're just right. great to watch very yeah very good players um but yeah girls from i tend to look at like when i watch pro like the pro league games um argentina and the dutch they're just kind of another level and um yeah definitely aspire to to be able to yeah play like them because hockey is really big over in europe and what other different in different countries over in europe is there i don't know take you you know what you got now is obviously really great and you love everything that you've been doing, what you've done. Would you, I don't know, is there a time and a place, maybe, I don't know, five, ten years' time, hypothetically, if you want to go over to Europe and play somewhere, where would you like to go and play? The Netherlands, for sure. Yeah, I would love to go over and play a club season um, once I've finished my job here with the Hockey Roos. Um, I think it would just be very cool, very, very cool. I love the where I play. That's because they're like just known to have the best kind of talent, the best pool outside of Australia. Yeah, yeah, and it would just be so cool to be based in the Netherlands and travel around. I just feel like it would be the whole experience. Yeah. Netherlands would be nice. Is there anywhere? Would you? How about? Did you do any travelling where you were in those development squad groups? Pick for any of those other than China? Was there anywhere else? No, it was really just China and then all around Australia. Yeah. What was kind of that been... stood out the most? Was there one that you were like, that was a really good tournament, like I played really well, scored a couple of goals? Um, 
yeah, I think for me, it was the 2019, um, what's called a hockey one competition. Oh, yeah. So just playing um, with WA, the Thundersticks, but yeah. we got to, we did like a home and away series. So we did a week on week off. So a week traveling away and then a week playing at home. But um, yeah, I just loved that, um, that lifestyle of yeah. you go away, you play one game and then you come home and you do like prepare for the next game. Um, I had a lot of fun that trip. And I think that was probably one of the best competitions that I've personally played. Yeah. It's kind of disappointing the last, they didn't play one 2020 and 2021. Is that correct? Yeah, no, it's been, it's been cancelled. Yeah, they hate to say it, but yeah, the it's past two years because, they've been cancelled. It's disappointing because, you know, hockey one, you do have that, you know, I guess for the for a lot of younger kids play, kids, you know, the young junior players play in that or are in squad, are squad members for those teams. And they yeah. might possibly get opportunities to, to feel like they're a part of, you know, a, a team where you can go and almost effectively be a, a full-time athlete, you know, you get to travel, you stay, yeah. in hotels, you stay in the group, you get to play, you get to train, you know, with like senior players who are in, in you know, in Australian squads. So it's kind of disappointing that hasn't happened for the last two seasons. Yeah, so, I know. It's, it's three a shame. Years ago, three years ago for you, you were a bit younger. Did you feel like it was one of those things that benefited you as a player being amongst people who are better than you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just loved it. And, um, it was just a lot of fun, you know, just playing for your state. It was, um, very fun. Yeah. How'd you go that tournament? How many goals? Oh, maybe one or two. <laughs> but it's more, more, I guess it's more about having fun playing. Yeah. Playing, playing and playing well. And, um, yeah, I might've not. Oh, oh Yeah. We um our last game was against Tasmania, and if we won, we would have gone second. We would have finished second, um, and oh. then been in finals. Uh, but we lost to Tassie, and we ended up oh like fifth or fifth or sixth. Yeah, it was a bit oh, disappointing. So it must have been really close. If you could have finished second, yeah, and if you lost, yeah, it ended up being very close. Yeah. But yeah, we played really well except for that last game, unfortunately, and then we missed out on finals. And then obviously the last kind of two to three years, it's been limited travel and and all that. How have how much of a challenge has that been for yourself to be able to constantly keep improving as an athlete and pushing for selection? Yeah, um, yeah, it's been challenging, um, obviously, to you kind of have this competition and you work towards and then, oh, no, border's closed. It's now cancelled. But um, it's been good for me, for well, for me, because obviously COVID, it's a bit more than sport. Um, and so you've had to, I've had to kind of step back and live in the moment a little bit. And again, it's like living in that present. Like I've just, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, no one does it this during this time. So, you know, I rock up to training and it's day, taking things day by day and just making the most out of that day. And I think that has actually been what has helped me the most 
um, is kind of just taking everything day by day, being more present um, instead of, yeah, kind of looking towards the future too much. Right, so obviously there, wasn't been, there hasn't been many competitions where you've been able to play against. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah that's been the only. Lots of training. Been doing yeah, a lot of training. Almost, you, and then oh, club season, you've been doing all that. Yeah, we've well. been able to have our full club season, which has been great. We're very um, lucky here and it's a good competition. I absolutely love playing club. It's just fun to get out there. Um, but we've also uh, been able to have, you know, a couple camps here or there, um, oh, okay. which, yeah, there's been a couple camps, um, whether it was like the super camp back in 2020 or we went to um, Tasmania in August last year. We just first like Queensland and Tassie and um, yeah, um, SA were over there as well. So there have been little little bits of competition, but um, yeah, the actual like hockey one itself um, has been missing. Yeah, and like state trips and stuff. So talk about the the your recent selection in the Hockey Roo squad. Was there? Yeah. Did you have to go? Was there a WA camp and then they selected? like players off of that like was it just selection based off of your your form going in from the previous club season or was it just a accumulation of the four years you're at Wace and you know, no we had um we did have a selection camp at the start in January it was just a bit different to how it usually is so usually um they host a camp here in Perth because that's where the hockey rooms are based yep. um and everyone comes over here who's you know, being selected, um, whether it's the Hockey Roos or development or if they've been selected from like Hockey One or just their previous form. Um, but this year, because the borders were closed, we did like a WA-based camp, yep. um, but we still had some of the Hockey Roos didn't go home. The 2021 Hockey Roos didn't go home, so we had them at our camp. Um, and then there was a Queensland camp and then a New South camp um so like SA went to oh and then there was a Vic so SA went to Vic um and ACT went to New South so yeah they just did the kind of three or four um base camps um and they chose yeah chose from that and your form there that was just a week of training playing games against each other is that how it worked yeah we ours was a week and we had two training sessions and three games when you, yeah. When it was done, were you like, oh, put on a good, good, did you feel confident in yourself? I felt like I had done everything to put myself in a really good position. I'd worked really hard um, over the summer and I prepared well for this camp. I just wanted to, for me, it was like a make or break this camp and I just wanted to go out there and give it everything and just have fun and play to my strength. and if it worked and I made the hockey roos amazing and if it didn't well I could walk away and be like I gave it everything that camp and it's just on to the next thing yeah was there other camps that you've been to previously in the last few few years that you didn't get selected oh, obviously you didn't get selected in those ones but did you feel like the accumulation of disappointment that you're like this had to be you, you put in everything this because you knew maybe wasn't going to happen after that yeah I um we had a selection camp for the 2021 squad in 2020 and um, my preparation just wasn't good um, and I wasn't in a good like mental space either. So I walked away like 
knowing I wouldn't be selected, but also I never wanted to feel feel that feeling after a camp again. Never wanted to walk away and be like, well, I just wasted that opportunity and I kind of crumbled under the pressure. Um, so I worked really hard. Even throughout the year, I worked with Sykes. I worked with my coach. Um, and, yeah, just I just never wanted to feel that way again. It's just a bit, yeah. So um, it was probably, yeah, it sucked at the time, but it was a great thing for me because it paid off this time and I was able to make those changes, yeah. When you talk about the pressure, was it because that you had the best, the best were there and then everyone was just kind of looking at your performance? Like, like you kind of ranking yourself against all these other really good hockey roos and it was you were just kind of felt like you didn't meet that level? Yeah, I, um, I definitely underperformed. I just couldn't stand up to the to the pressure, unfortunately. Um, and that was due to my preparation. Like I didn't go in having a good preparation and a good mindset. Um, so, yeah. And you said you worked with Sykes through the year. Was it more tactical based like you were going? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was more like tactical. Like um, if I start, you know, doubting my ability then or having yeah second guessing myself during the game like what are some things I can implement and for me it was like what are my strengths so I would just tell myself my strengths or I would get more in the present um moment so again taking those big deep breaths or just like gripping my stick tighter just those sort of little things that I can implement to get out of my head when I play and get in the moment so we spoke about your hockey skill, your mindset, your gym. How about yeah. nutrition? How much of that was you – know, how did it change over your time at WACE and now towards the end and going into hockey roos? How have you – is there much of a change? Have you changed much um, from that from then to now? When I, yeah, when I first um, joined the program, I obviously thought like, you know, I can't have sweets and um, I can't eat carbs because they'll make me go fat and – I need a um, calorie count and I need to do all of this and stuff like that. Um, and over time, I've just learned everything in moderation. I still eat well, but I mean, I'll have chocolate or I'll have sweets once or twice a week and I don't feel guilty. Whereas, um, so I just have yeah, a better relationship with food um, than when I first previously joined um, Waste or joined these like um, squads. How about in terms like that's obviously like a big part of it as well. But how about the uh, fueling your body for competition, like making sure you you get your electrolytes on a I'm big on electrolytes. Yeah. Either before, during, and then post too for recovery, and uh, making sure you're fueled nutrition wise pre and post to make sure you're because obviously games. You, yeah. Like these tournament games, you have to back up the next day. How have yeah, you, yeah. You've changed around that. Yeah. So. Um... I kind of always will have, you know, I'm not like set exactly like this is the time that I have to have it, but, you know, two, three hours before a game, I'll have a carby meal, whether it's um, like pasta or if it's toast or eggs on toast, anything like that. And then an hour before the game, I always eat the exact same things before I play a game. I have the exact same routine. I'm very superstitious, but you know, an hour before an hour before game, I'll have um, ciabatta bread with 
hummus and avo and chicken salt on it with a double shot coffee. And that will always stay the same, whether it's training or anything. I just always, oh, really? yeah, that's my pre, pre-game, pre-training, um, pre-training meal. Um, and then I'm very good with like um, drinking during games. I always stay very hydrated. Um, and then, yeah, it's after. It's really important. So I'll have a bar or um, like an up and go or something like that. When you were younger, how did you kind of tackle? Did you just not even – was that something you've learned through your time at Waste or was did you kind of have an inkling or, or did you have a bit of a knowledge base before going into Waste that you knew you had to kind of prepare? And you- um, no, it was probably – oh, no, it was probably more like with Waste we would do um, nutrition – like you would work with your nutritionist and they would run like workshops and stuff yeah. um, and then it was kind of just trial and error, what works for you and what doesn't is kind of how I got to where I am now with my eating. How, um, oh, okay, I've got a question. Uh, just ask yeah. to everyone and it kind of breaks people a little bit. So oh, if, you, if you were to have dinner with any four people, dead or alive, who would you choose? Oh, no. Um... Hmm. Who would I choose? Oh God, you really put you me on the spot. You can't just, you can't just not pick anyone. You have to pick four. You can't just be three. I had someone last week say she only picked, she only picked three, and she could have decided four. So I'm not going with that anymore. I'm not allowing that. You have to have four. You're not allowing it. Um. God, I honestly have no idea. Four people. Probably. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm such a. Pardon? I really put you on the I hate put, being put on the spot. Um, I honestly love the Veronicas, so there's two. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Hey, they were recently doing a tour, aren't they? Yeah. Last time I saw. Yeah, yeah, they're going around. God, I love them. Absolute nostalgia of my childhood. Yeah, um, yeah. So the Veronica, what were their names? Were their names? Don't know. Huh? What are their Veronica's names? What are their names? I can't remember. Lisa and Jess. Lisa. There you go. Lisa and Jess of the Veronicas. Yeah. Um. They sing a few bars. Sing a few bars while you eat your dinner. The what? They can sing for you while you have your dinner. Sing, yeah, exactly. And then, oh, oh my God, sorry. Right. That much on the spot. Phone crash. I was put. I was. Not good on the spot. I just, even my phone could feel my freak out. Um, now I've got two others. Uh, so the Veronicas, um, Granado from Argentina. Player, hockey player. And yes, hockey player. Um, and Pat Cummins. Oh, nice. Everyone loves Pat Cummins. But, um, so where would you go for dinner? Um, anywhere. You can pick anywhere you want. 
maybe somewhere like Portugal, oh, yes. Spain. Just find somewhere on the paella. street. Mm. <laughs> yeah, a bit of paella. Do you have a favourite? Like, what's your favourite dish? Like, you didn't have to worry about playing hockey the next day or something. What would you love to love to just guilty pleasure? Um, I just love pizza. Yeah. I absolutely love pizza. Um, the have you ever been to General Public Food Co. or yeah, General Public and Co. in Scarborough? That sounds familiar. Possibly. I've been to oh. Anyway, it's in Scarborough on Doric Street and they just have the best pizza ever. Little shout out. Um their pumpkin pizza and prawn their garlic prawn pizza. Get it every time. Yeah. There's one down by the road here at Freedom. probably my favourite. Um, it's on George Street. Mm. Uh, it's called Eugene's. They that's like my go to pizzas here. They do the best. Oh. Like with some um, like brown onions, a little bit of olives. Too bad. Yeah. So right. You know, we're getting to the point of the podcast where Uncle Frank, who's my number one listener, gave me a whole bunch of questions. Yeah. And they're in a hat. Usually, I'll get okay. The, I get the person to pick a, a question out of the hat, but okay, yeah, I'll pick one for you, and I'll ask it. All right. You ready? Yeah. Ready, Uncle Frank? Okay. Oh, I got one. Now these are folded, so I can't see what they are before I pick them. All right. You ready? For what in your life do you feel most grateful? There's a lot of things. <laughs> um, and do I have to pick one? No, you can just say anything. You don't have to pick one. It says, for what in life do you feel most grateful? I feel very grateful to even during um, this pandemic and the the changes it's made like I feel very grateful to have been in WA with the beautiful beaches and been able to travel throughout WA um and to be able to have still worked full-time during the pandemic as registered nurse um and yeah play the sport that I love yeah I just feel grateful that how my life has been since, yeah, since COVID and all the uncertainty during it. Of course. And how, like, I guess also being able to manage working as as a nurse, like you said you are, how difficult has it been to kind of stay on top of your training and be able to work like to the best you can? Because obviously there's a whole bunch of things you have to do as a nurse. You have to wear your PPE and it like, yeah. will be all uncomfortable. And how hard has it been to stay on top yeah. of everything to, you know, to still be performing yeah. the best you can? So mentally, I can imagine that's be yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, like I said before, work had been really, um, just really good with my training, and they knew what like where I wanted to go. Um, so we actually did we self roster at my work. Oh. So as long as you know you have the right, a certain number of registered nurses um, and experience, um, all of that you pretty much, as long as it all lines up, you pretty much get the shifts that you ask for. Um, so that's been really handy because I can just, you know, trainings in the morning, I'll work in the afternoon. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I've been able to do it, do them both um, is through that. It's been, yeah, great. Do you Are you a train in the morning type of person or are you train, train at night? Like what do you? Yeah, I'm definitely train in the morning. I love training in the morning. 
except Monday mornings. That's when I'm an Arvo. Really? Yeah. Love a Monday Arvo training. Yeah. But every other training needs to be in the morning. Why Why just Monday get it over and done with. Because you just want to have a chill night Sunday and go to bed late. Because you just, yeah, like you still want to enjoy your weekend. And Monday morning I found it's like Saturday, it's Sunday morning and I'm still like, oh, I've got to wake up early tomorrow. So yeah. just having it that bit later. It's just nice, yeah. Um, I guess before we finish off, do you have any, like how do you, have you kind of set goals in terms of how you're going to approach the next kind of phase now of your life, I guess, like being in the hockey ruse, the training system, how, how do you see things progressing and how do you kind of plan your life out towards that now? Yeah, um, I think... For me, I just want to get the absolute most out of the program and I want to become the best athlete that I can be, the best teammate that I can be. Um, so it's really just, you know, getting my prep right for training or for the games and being able to rock up and um, give it everything when I'm out on the pitch. And, um, yeah, there's just, you know, I write down my little goals for the year, but I also like writing little weekly goals just so I can tick it off and, um, yeah, stay motivated. just kind of, yeah, keeps me working towards something. Do you have, I guess, do you have a piece of advice for anyone who would have been in your position, I guess, getting into WACE at whatever yeah. age you were and what would you say to that person? I think the biggest uh, one for me is to never, what's the word? Oh, I've just gone blank. To ne sorry, to never compare your journey with anyone else's journey. And to always, you know, as long as you have that goal in mind and you're working towards that goal, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter if someone made the, made the squad at 18 and you're 25, you know, it doesn't matter as long as you just keep working towards it. And yeah, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would say because progress is never linear right so it's always different yeah paths and as long as you kind of work towards the goal no matter how fast you, you get there or how much you know you let downs and as long as you keep yeah a, a, a consistent effort to keep pushing forward that's probably the biggest one isn't it yeah for sure definitely now I really appreciate your time um thank you for coming on the podcast and you know you're a pleasure for having a pleasure me. to work with um you know, you could, for the year and a half, I guess I'll work with you. You can never tell you're having a bad day because you always have that smile on your face and you're always a good time. And I guess we always got caught up talking too much with each other. So glad we got this done and yeah, and all the best for your future. So no worries. Again, thank you. On TV and Thanks for having me. Balls into the back of the net. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Thanks, mate. Um, all right. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast.